church. Amen? So uh, uh, poke the person next to you and say every seven days. Don't forget. It just is every seven days. You can't forget. You just can't forget because it's so routine. How many of you guys need a routine in your life? You change my routine, I forget everything. So let's just say every seven days here, 10 a.m., okay? Okay. So every seven days, and I've uh, mentioned it before, but it's worth mentioning again, 2.5 billion human beings around the planet living today. 2.5 billion people around the planet call themselves Christians and are assembling together in 37 million houses of worship around the world. That's right now. That does not count all the ones that have been doing it over the last 2,000 years. You are part of a very, very big thing. You are not just by yourself. You are not just the only one that, that is at your work and you're the only one. Have you ever felt like you're the only one? Okay, there's maybe two or three. Okay, but I'm serious. You are not. You are part of a very, very big thing. You are part of amazingness. And uh, it, it's, a, it's a crazy thing. It's this, this thing called church. And we here at New Horizon, we're dedicated to doing church well. We believe here that uh, strong Christians come together. No, healthy Christians, sorry. Healthy Christians that are getting healthier, amen? Getting healthier. I'm on the pathway every day of getting a, becoming more and more of a healthy Christian. We come together and we form strong churches. And when healthy Christians come together and form strong churches, then those strong churches can become very, very effective in the, in the world for the kingdom. But let's work backwards. Whenever the church, the kingdom has become ineffective in communities, in countries, where churches have, uh, where the, the kingdom has been squelched and quieted and, and shoved down and, and kind of broken, where, where the kingdom has not had its effect, those, those areas you can find where churches are not strong, they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And, and you can back, work backwards even from there and say that those churches then are filled with Christians that are, that are oppressed and, and difficult, having to, you know, it kind of can go both ways. But I'm saying I have freedom in my country, in my place right now as a pastor, as a preacher, to get up every Sunday and stand here on this platform and bring you the word. And we have worship that comes to wash you and to cleanse you and to cause you to be challenged and cause you constantly to rise up into something new. We here at New Horizon commit to every seven days doing everything we can to bring health into you and your soul and into your family. And we're committed here at New Horizon that we would be a church that comes together in strength. And that we here at New Horizon would be a church that then, as we are strong as a church body, then are able to go out into the world and make a difference. Make a difference and shine our light. And that is, that is the, I get up every morning with all that in my mind. Every morning. Every morning, that's what I do. This church thing, it's, it's kind of a mystery. It's a mystery that church has actually survived. 2,000 plus years, church has been going on. Can you believe that? 2,000 years under great oppression and great perse persecution. The Voice of the Martyrs, which is an amazing uh, website that you can go on. This, this organization uh, champions those around the world that are presently being oppressed and persecuted around the world. And you know what? We cannot forget those 
those churches and those people. They are Christians just like you and me that are in countries where the political system has set up a persecution and oppression. We cannot forget them. We cannot go about our lives coming and going from church and, and doing our thing without remembering that there are our brothers and sisters around the world that are being oppressed and persecuted right now. Amen? So the voice of the martyrs, you can go online and look them up. But they estimate at this point, since the time of Jesus, that over 70 million Christians have laid their lives down for the gospel through martyrdom. 70 million. Let that sink in. 70 million. In the, under the Nazi regime by itself, uh, during those years of Hitler, uh, one million Christians, you, you hear about the Jews, one million Christians lost their lives. One million. In Uganda, we, you know, we go there all the time, and we are actually, when we go, we're in the very center of where all this was happening there in Segaku. But in Uganda, under the Idi Amin regime, during the uh, years of 71 through 79, 300,000 Christians gave up their lives. Yet, in the middle of all this, Christianity still remains the largest religion in the world. How is that? How can that be? How can church and Christianity and this kingdom of God be under so much pressure all the time from all sorts of sides all around it and yet continue to emerge as the largest religion and belief system in the world? How can that be? In fact, I was reading... Um, an article just this week talking about how actually right now Christianity is truly, even today, a, a very highly persecuted religion. Still today, yet it remains the largest religion. So who in their right mind would sign up for this, right? Well, we got a room full of you. Christianity and church is more than a, a club. You didn't come today for a Kiwanis meeting. You didn't come here for a PTA meeting. This is not a club. This is not just a, a nice social gathering, a dinner club that comes together. You did not do that. No, no. The reason why Christianity has become what it's become is that when you gather together, when you all walk through that door, when you all come together, you coalesce together, do you know what you turn into? The actual body of Christ. When you walk in that door and you begin to connect with one another and you just, it's almost like all of the little individual cells of this body come together. And now we stand here and now we worship and now we raise our hands and we hold each other and we shake each other's hand and we look into each other's eyes and we begin to do this thing called community and to connect and we become the spiritual body of Christ. You are it. You are the flesh and blood of what the head, Jesus Christ, is right now functioning in 2019. Right now, that's what you are. Don't tell me you're nothing. Don't tell me that when you woke up this morning and you felt a little bit tired, I don't know. No, you don't understand. You are a, the most vital piece of what needs to walk through the door of a church to coalesce to become the body of Christ. Right here. It's, it's incredible. The body of Christ, is, you know, church is like these, all these little outposts all over the world all over the world representing the body of Christ. The church is a gathering place. We, we learned last week, it is a place. 
The house of God is a place. It's not just something. It's a place that we all gather where it gathers people, people together. You have to have people to have church. You have to come together, and then you host the presence of God. The Bible says very clearly, where two or three are gathered, I'm right there. And we talked last week about how, you know, a lot of times we, we like to, you know, get out in the wilderness, and we like to hike, and we like to get away and do all that kind of thing. And then I've heard people say, well, that's my church. I do that for church. Well, listen, that's not church. Because you have to do church together with other believers. That's a wonderful worship service that you're having. Wonderful connecting with God. Wonderful just, you know, you and that's amazing. That's so important and so amazing. But don't call that church. Because church can't happen until we coalesce together. It's a gathering of one another. It's a peace. It's all of us coming together. In worship, or I mean at church, we do worship. And, uh, you know, lots of things happen when you come together as church. And we do this thing called worship. Did you know that as soon as the church broke into existence after Jesus Christ, music exploded? Did you know that? And they actually, uh, so many people, they, they attribute the level of musicianship of where the world is at right now to the church. Because prior to uh, church, and, and I, you know, that I could give you all sorts of really cool things here, but the sermon's not about, about worship or whatever. Prior to the church and when music began to really develop in the church, it was very monotone. It was very minor. It broke into these beautiful, melodic, major uh, musicianship, just amazing stuff through the church. And that became kind of the seedbed of worship. Did you know that there's more songs composed, there's more music written down to glorify God and Jesus than any other topic? Music, worship. How many of you guys know that Satan loves to steal that? Because there's so much power in it. When you come to church, not only do we worship, but we get the word. We get truth. We get revelation. Your Bible that you have in your hand or in your phone has endured so much. It has come through so many translations. But I am here to tell you that uh, there are more manuscripts for the Old Testament and the New Testament that are closer and, and that are dated closest to the originals that have the least amount of deviation of any ancient manuscript. Don't tell me that the Bible is corrupt. There is so much proof, so much out there. Like, I mean, so far beyond, say, Homer or Aristotle or any of the ancient writings. When you look at the Bible, there is so much purity in what we read today. Sure, there's a little bit of deviation, a little bit of changing in how certain translations come together, but they're all lined up together. And when you put them all together, you have the most clearest, closest thing available out there of any ancient manuscript. Do not... Do not set aside your word of God. Do not set aside your Bible as something that's passe. Oh, no. That thing is breathed by the Holy Spirit, and it has been protected. When we come to church, we worship, we hear the word, and we have each other. That's what makes church so vital. All three of those. All three of those. There's nothing like worshiping. This morning, I don't know about you, but I can have a worship service at home, and it's wonderful, and it's lovely. But I'll tell you what, when I stand here and I hear all of you behind me, it makes me cry. There is something that happens when you all come together. Church is amazing. And the word that you get 
here is that there's something tangible in the atmosphere that as the word goes forward, some people have come up to me and said, man, when you said da-da-da-da, it was amazing. I'm like, I said that? Sometimes I think that the words I say go out of my mouth or Dwayne's mouth, and then there's like the Holy Spirit that's out there going, well, and it makes it something new for you. But there's something that happens. I know that sounds weird, and it's probably not true, but getting the word in church is an amazing thing. But I'll tell you, there's only one place where you can get community, and that's in church. That's together. God is, why, 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 why? I would rather, how many of you guys have ever thought, I am going to move to Alaska hundreds of miles away from every person because they all are bugging me right now. I just want, I got one hand over here. Any other hands? Uh, a few, okay. Uh, this hand, this side over here, they, <laughs> something's going on over here. <laughs> You're all wanting to move away, right? Move into isolation. You know, we think that's cool. But I'll tell you what, when God created you, he created you in his image. And God is not an isolated being. God is a three in one. God is communal. Just him, the Godhead alone, is a communal being. And that's his love. That's his, that's his enjoyment. He is, he is wired to love many. He's wired to gather together many. He is three in one. His unity is so strong that those three appear to be one. You know, I can have all these fingers. I can line them up until, you know, have you ever seen those things where there's a lot of people in a line and you look at them and they look like one? And then one kind of goes like that and then you see there's more? Well, that's how God is. God is so lined up, so unified. He looks like one, but there's really three. He is communal. Uh, turn to John 17. I want to read to you a passage. And these, this is Jesus at the end of his life praying for his disciples and then also praying for you. Everybody say, he's praying for me. So this is you. My prayer is not for them alone, meaning his disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That would be you. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the whole world may believe that you have sent me. Okay, does this sound like an isolated thing? Oh, no. Jesus and God, they are so close to each other and they're separate, yet one. And now they want us in there. They want us. They got together in Genesis 1 and said, let us make them in our image. They wanted, they plural, wanted more. They wanted you. Uh, verse 22, I have given them the glory that you have gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. God is communal. God is many. That's how he's wired. He made you in his image. You are wired for community. Your psyche, the human psyche, I was reading all sorts of really fun articles this week about just out of psychology today, you know, secular places. And one place says that humanity is a very highly social being. Humans are. Very social. There's some animals that aren't social. They run away. But humanity is wired, if you're going to compare them all, into a highly social person. Isolation is not normal for humanity. Everybody say, isolation is not normal. You turn less normal when you isolate. So my suggestion is to not isolate. 
in November of 2018, a guy named Rich Alotti, Rich Alotti, Rich, he is a, um, he's a poker champion, and his name's Rich. I don't know. Might, might mean something. So Mr. Rich bet, and I don't know who he bet, but they took, up on, took him up on it, bet $100,000 that he could spend 30 days in complete darkness and in isolation. So he, he made this bet, and uh, they took him, you know, was, I don't know who paid him, you know, the money was out there, and they put him in a dark room, they gave him a bed, food, and a bathroom. That's all. They shut the door and walked away. For 20 days, he was in there. At 20 days, he started screaming, let me out. He could not handle anymore. He lost his sleep cycle. He lost his, he started hallucinating. He started seeing things. He started getting, uh, uh, what's it when you, when you, you're suspicious of people? Yeah, paranoid. He got really paranoid. He just got all, all weird. And they, he begged to let them out. And they let him out after 20 days. And he came out and he's like, I'll never do that again in my whole entire life. We are not made to isolate. We are made to be together. And people who choose to isolate and live in a more an isolated situation, uh, they have found research-wise that they are less capable to cope with stress uh, in situations. They're more depressed. They're more men they don't have as much mental clarity, and they die young. We are not made to isolate. Instead, just the opposite. We are made for community. When people live in community, it causes us to be healthier. Everybody say healthier. Healthier. Happier. You're better biologically, neurologically, psychologically, and spiritually. You are better in every way when you are in community with people. In fact, the research shows that even when you're in community with people who bug you, who will really get under your skin, where there's um, conflict and trouble and all that kind of thing, you are still better off. In fact, you're almost, in fact, you're better off than isolation, total isolation, but you're also better off than people who are just living life uh, carefree without any, any conflict. Do you know why? Because they have found that in conflict, it causes your mind to have to think new ways. Conflict makes you begin to understand people a little bit better. Conflict causes your mind to get out of the normal and to problem solve differently. They have decided that if you live and are in community with people who are troublemakers and problems, you are better off. Don't look at your spouse. Just say amen. So hence church. So many people come to church and there's troublesome people at church. And you're like, I don't want to be in church anymore. I don't want to be around troublesome people. I want to go and isolate. I'll just have church at my house. Well, you know what? You're not doing yourself any favors by doing that. Amen? So church is, uh, uh, it's, it's good. Church is, another thing about church is it's not homogenous. Do you know what I mean by homogenous? Homogenous is the same. Church is not, the, like, if I were to look at, well, I am looking at you right now, and I'm looking at you, and there's not a lot of same across this. You all have two eyeballs and a nose and a mouth. There's not a lot of same across, the, uh, across this room, and that is so cool. Across this room, we have, uh, we have racial differences. We have generational differences. We have economical differences. We have experiential differences. We are very different 
And that glorifies God. But that is something that causes people struggle when they come to church. They're all just a bunch of old people. They're all just a bunch of young people. They're all just this color or that color or that color. And we want to always find the same. But church, good church, has a mixture and a, just a total diversity all the way across that we can, we can really live from. The one anotherness of church is incredibly powerful. There's over a hundred times the word one another is used in the New Testament. In the English language, it's two words, one another. In the Greek language, it's one word, just one word. So I think they kind of get it a little bit better. We see it as two, one another, you, me, separate. The Greek language, they see it as one another. Okay, there's a unity there. Of those hundred times, over uh, two-thirds of the, those verses are dedicated to unity and love, connection, how to get along together, how to be together. Over two-thirds of those verses are about connection. There's another chunk of them that is, is dedicated to kind of your growth and how to be together better and how to grow. And then another huge chunk is about serving. Those three things. And that's why here at New Horizon, we have these little circles. And I kind of talked to you last week a little bit about them, and we talked about them in the past. But the first is that all of our diversity comes together under the cross. Amen? That's where we find our unity. So the first thing is starting point, that you would come to the cross, that you would accept Christ, and that you would learn what your salvation is. And then that you would commit to a church. We're talking so many, uh, a couple of weeks here about the importance of church that you would come together. You can't do church alone. You really need to find a body and find one to commit to. But then we have these next three. This puzzle piece represents connection. This leaf represents growth, that you would always be growing and learning. This one, the heart, represents serving. So all of those verses about one another, are we are striving very hard here at New Horizon to fulfill. But I want to just, I'm going to run through some of these again with you, just, just for fun. Uh, I just have a few minutes here left before we are going to break out and uh, get together in uh, various ways here. But uh, Romans 10:12 says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. These are some one another verses that I was talking to you about. Be devoted with one another in brotherly love. Romans 12, 16, live in harmony with one another. Romans 15, 17, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you. Romans 15, 14, instruct one another. 1 Corinthians eleven thirty three. when you come together to eat, wait for each other. In other words, you're coming together to eat, but do it in a nice way, right? Don't be a hog, right? Except for if you're at the Blythe's on the, the Saturday mornings and there's all that pile of good food. If I came to that, I would just like push and shove to get in there. Uh, Galatians 6.2, carry each other's burdens. If, how are you going to carry each other's burdens if you don't have another? How can we carry one another's burdens if we don't have another? If we don't have each other? If you're doing church alone, because you know what? Churches, they're just a bunch of weirdos. And it's kind of, no! 100 times in the New Testament, they're referring to one another. What you're doing here today, you are fulfilling that command. You're awesome. I'm preaching to the choir, right? 
bear one another's burdens. Ephesians 4.2, be patient, bearing with one another in love. That tells me that it's not always going to be easy. I have to be patient. I have to be completely humble and gentle. I can't come into church and then you do your thing and I get, oh, when are they going to get it? That's not how we connect with one another. We are humble and gentle and patient and we bear with one another. We, we have patience. I need you to bear with me sometimes. Sometimes I'm not all together. Sometimes I'm not all that in a bag of chips. I need you to bear with me, not react to me. Bear with me. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Ephesians 5.19, speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Ephesians 5.21, submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. I love these. I love these. I, I ran through so many of them last week. And uh, Colossians 3.16, teach one another. Admonish one another. How can we teach one another? How can we admonish one another if we don't get together? How can I hear the word that God has placed in your heart this week that you heard just as you were going and you heard the Holy Spirit speaking to you? I need you to share that with me. I need you to share. I want to hear that. I want you to teach me that. But how can you teach me that if I stay away from you? I need to connect. I need to connect. The word admonish, what does the word admonish mean? To me, the word admonish is a gentle way to say, it's, it's the nicest way to help someone. Have you ever needed to go to somebody? Or you needed a little yourself? In other words, you're kind of, you're walking a pretty good walk, but you're starting to veer. You need someone to admonish you, just to, just to pat you and just say, remember over here? to admonish one another but how can you admonish me how can you help me stay how can you help me stay on my track if I don't get together with you if I'm not near you and you're not near me this is what we're called to do and we have to do it together James 5 16 confess your sins to each other oh yikes I thought that when we're together, I was supposed to put my best foot forward. And I was supposed to, you know, get it all together and look nice and shiny. Because now I'm with you. But when I'm isolated and by myself, I'm fighting devils that are after my family, after my soul, after everything. But then when I come together with you, That's not good church. This is not good church. God knows better than that. The writers of the New Testament know better than that. The writers say, oh no, oh no, Mr. Human Being and Mrs. Human Being, I know exactly what you're made of. I know exactly what's going on inside of your world and you need to come together with one another and be real. I struggle sometimes. Oh, you struggle? I struggle too. 
But you know what? That's not the real you. I know what's not the real me. I need your help to fight. I know you. what's the real me. Tell me, admonish me. The real you is that you are more than a conqueror. The real you is that you know how to love well. The real you is that you know how to do this. The real you is that Jesus lives inside of you and you are dead to all of that addiction. That's what we get from one another. Good church. Good church is real church. Good church is not fake church. Hypocrisy is when you pretend to be one thing that you're not. I'm telling you what, I'll stand right up here and say that I am a sinner saved by grace. You're looking at a sinner saved by grace that needs a lot of help and a lot of love. And the support I get from you is incredible. Okay, I have more, but I have one minute left. The church is the body of Christ. It's many, 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 many individuals that when they coalesce together every seven days, we come together. Did you know that if you take two cardiac cells that are um, separate, and cardiac cells have an intrinsic beat inside of each one of these little cardiac, that's your heart cell, okay, just for those. So if you take a, an individual cardiac cell, they have a little, they, ha they have a twitch to them, they have a little beat, and they have their own intrinsic beat, and they beat separate. But when you get them close to each other, they sync up, and they begin to beat together. And then you get another cell. And then you get another. And you get another. And you get another. And now you have a heart. And that heart now can beat blood out to, uh, to the rest of the body. That's what happens when you all come to church. We all get close to each other. And we begin to sync up. Connection is huge in the body of Christ. I, uh, a couple of, well, quite a few years ago, I brought in a big bag of Legos because Legos were a big thing in my house. I don't have Legos in my house anymore, really. So I have a big, huge, empty bag, you know, a bag full of Legos. Just, you know, how many of you guys have seen a bag of disconnected Legos? They're all in the same bag, but they haven't been connected. And those Legos are really not worth a whole lot. It's not impressive. In fact, it gives me a nervous twitch because I know that if those things get spilled all over the place, I'm going to walk on them, and they're going to be painful. But after my children would get a hold of those Legos and connect them, then they could make them into something amazing, and that's what church is. I don't want New Horizon to be a bag of Legos. I want New Horizon to be some amazing masterpiece that the Holy Spirit puts together but we have to get connected. We have to get connected. I'd like the band to come. And the connect leaders, if you want to go back to your place out in the foyer. Today, as we've mentioned, it's Connect Sunday. And we have an amazing team of connect groups of people who love people, of people who have been willing to step up to lead people, to lead groups, small groups, because it's really hard to connect in this big room. But if you get together at Laura's house, 
for the book club, there's going to be a group of 10, 12, 14, 15 ladies that are now connecting. Or if you come to Mike Wells Fight Club, you're a guy. You can come to there, and now you can connect. It looks like half of the whole church is getting up and walking out. Do you know why? We believe this deeply in connection. Our connect groups here are amazing, and you have that connect booklet. And I want you to look at that. And when we're done here, and when I dismiss, we're going to dismiss with worship here. Uh, when I dismiss you, they're going to be out in the foyer. And I want you to go out there, and I want you to meet the ones that are close to you. Look at the map and find where those things are. Because it's in small groups where everything that I just talked about happens. It's in small groups where you can confess your sins one to another, where you can get admonished, where you can have your burdens carried with you, and, and you can sing and, and teach and instruct one another where good things happen in small groups. And I just want to encourage you that as we go, that you go out there. And as we close, it's proven. It's a proven, they did scientific research on this, that if you stand at the bottom of a hill, it's always perceived as much steeper if you're alone than if you're with someone. Every single one of us face life. Life is not easy. Life is a challenge. Life brings hard things. Life, sometimes we lose our jobs. Sometimes we have relational issues. Sometimes we lose focus of where we're headed. Sometimes we feel lonely. Sometimes all sorts of things can come at us in life. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Life can be a challenge. But when you stand and you look at the challenge in front of you, and if you're by yourself, that challenge can be perceived as very difficult. But scientifically proven, if you stand at the bottom of that same hill with someone else, even with a group of people, that hill now becomes incredibly manageable. I want to suggest today and hope that you would be one that would say, okay, I'm going to do this thing. Small groups are not my thing. I get a little nervous. It's a little hard. I don't usually leave the house at night. I'm not good with new people. I did it once and there was no place for me to park, so I went home. Um, I used to be really, really involved in a small group. I've heard this a couple of times. I used to be really, really involved. We had the coolest small group going on, and then everybody kind of parted ways, and it just kind of went all over the place. And now, you know, I mean, I don't know. Now it's time to find a new one. It's time to find a new one. I want to show you a picture of what happened at um, small group last Saturday at the Blythe's. Can you show that picture? It's coming. I want you to look at that. What do you see? I see our dear Mr. Ron Fond in there. And uh, if I may pick on you, he has gray hair. See how, but you know what? That gray hair comes with a lot of wisdom, a lot of experience, a lot of amazingness. And look who's watching him couple generations down. Little Nico. That's the diversity of church. 
That's the power of church. The old carry so much and the young have so much vitality. So much. I would like for you all to stand. Last week I had you all hold hands and and pray with people in front of you and behind you. And my mom had the, 94-year-old mom over here, had the opportunity to hold hands with a 20-year-old young man sitting in front of her. She had never met him. Actually, she had met him when he was a child, a little wee babe. And they held hands, my 94-year-old woman and a 20-year-old man. And they prayed. Where do you do that except in church? And she prayed over him, and then she looked him in the eye and gave him a little admonishment. Everybody say admonishment. She said, hey, listen, I'm not going to be around much longer. I don't have much time left. You have a lifetime. I need you to live right. I need you to live well. I need you to take my place. Someday. Where does that happen except in church? Amen. All right. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray over this group. Lord God, I thank you right now for one another. I thank you. Grab hands across them. I thank you for one another. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that your Holy Spirit is strong. Your Holy Spirit is amazing. And God, I thank you right now for the power and the strength that we have standing around us. And in Jesus' name, Lord God, I commit right now to let go of every broken relationship I've ever had, every fear I have, every bit of isolation I've had in the past. Now it's time for new relationships. Now it's time for new new, uh, new people around me. Now it's time to meet new people. Now it's time to speak into new people. And in Jesus' name, I declare right now that this church here is a strong church that's committed to one another and to connection in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, church. Yeah, give him a hand. Hallelujah. God is so good. Grab your Connect book. We're going to go out with worship. The Connect leaders are out there. Stop and chat with a couple of them. Get their little cards and see what you can do this week. The uh, child care workers are prepared to stay after a little bit so you can do a little bit of communicating back there. Don't feel like you gotta run and get your kids right away, but pretty soon, okay?